Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I'm Ben, and this week, Elise and I have an awesome conversation with Marlo Rodale. Marlo paints imaginary landscapes, rich in color and texture, to capture the ephemeral world of dreams. The surreal color combined with the skewing of perspective and geometric form is an attempt to capture the otherworldly feeling of being in a dream. A world familiar but not confined to logical conventions or our waking reality. The tantalizing surface texture, perspective, and color all work together to draw the viewer into the scene and evoke a visceral reaction while an absence of recognizable objects allow the viewer to create a narrative from their own experience. Marlo, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's yeah, a pleasure to be here. We've been so excited to have you on. We, uh, yes. we met for the first time <laughs> at the Steel Pixel Open House. UK and Tyrone all came in. Yes. And um, yes. then you and I got a little overwhelmed by the number of people and kind of stood off to the side and <laughs> talked independently for like an hour. That is usually how I, I, I roll. <laughs> I, I, totally I am that. also a fan of the Irish goodbye. Um, I'm well known for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess that is very true. I mean, time is so meaningless these days. Like I couldn't even tell you when that was. I I, I would I hope you would know as it's your own opening. <laughs> no. I don't know, just this year has flown by. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I've, you know, enjoyed all our conversations and everything you're doing for, you know, the art community, theater, everything that you guys are putting together. So, you know, Thank I'm, you I'm happy that you invited me. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we can dive right in. Um, I am just curious. We kind of like to start off with like, how, where does your passion for art stem from and how did you get into it? Uh, that's. That's something I kind of wonder. Like, I can't say there's one aha moment that was like, you know, I love art or this is what I want to do with my life. Um, I think it was just a mixture of being surrounded by art growing up uh, and being an only child latchkey kid left to my own devices. You know, I gravitated to comic books and cartoons and and other sort of artistic, illustrative, creative um, things. And that sort of spiraled out into, you know, everything from wanting to be like a creature creator for films to, um, you know, the idea of like doing my own comic books. And I honestly couldn't even tell you how I stumbled into painting. Um, <laughs> I, it's It's just... You know, one thing leads into another. Um, but I definitely, you know, grew up around a lot of art and artists. Um, you know, growing up in New York in the 80s, um, my mother and grandmother had two restaurants uh, in the East Village. And they were, for whatever reason, sort of a, a hot spot for, for artists um, from everyone from Keith Haring to... Basquiat and and um, a lot of those those artists of the era. Um, so there was, you know, in New York at the time, and specifically in my little slice of the world, art everywhere. Um, I mean, I can even remember my uncle had 
a building in Brooklyn way before it was cool to live there. <laughs> and his roommates or his tenants who had the floor below him were the puppeteers from the Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Oh, my, oh my goodness. That's so, kind of cool. Like, they had all the puppets in their apartment because <laughs> yeah. they would, like, build them and fix them. And so, like— <laughs> That's so cool. You know, there was that side of it just being surrounded. And then, you know, when my mom remarried, my dad's side of the family, there were a few artists in it, but— uh, his grandparents were big patrons of the arts. So they were mm. very involved with like the Allentown Art Museum and the Bomb School, sure. um, Kutztown University, um, you know, in terms of just supporting the arts, you know, financially through collecting. They had, you know, an amazing art collection. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's been this near constant presence of art in my life. And again, you know, growing up with, a single mom, if we went out to dinner and she wanted to have a conversation with her friends, the easiest way is just give me a pen and let me go to town on the, you know, the paper tablecloth. Yeah. Um, even at home, you know, she would buy like big rolls of butcher paper, tape it to the wall and just let me go to town. <laughs> um, you know, so there, there's all sorts of instances like that of just like me gravitating towards art and absorbing it as much as possible. Um, and then on the other side, you know, I went to the bomb school when I was a little kid, you know, for like intro to drawing classes. And, um, you know, I initially didn't think of art as much of a career. I mean, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hard work for oftentimes very little recognition, both financially and, you know, otherwise. Um, so I thought I'd go and pursue computer science. Um, it's always fascinated me. Um, you know, science fiction has been a huge influence, uh, you know, growing up again, artistically, uh, creatively. Um, so I quickly learned though, that I just, I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I actually... Well, I failed out of school, if I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. We like honesty. Because I just didn't want to go to my classes. And I was also just mm. a anxious, uh, depressed mess who didn't know how to cope with, uh, you know, this life at college. So eventually, um, after a year or two of struggling, I wound up in L.A. working in film. Um, and that is a story that doesn't need to be told because the only <laughs> the only really important part is I ended up working set design for a friend who needed some help. Oh, very cool. And it just was the first time in a lot of years. I think it'd be it'd been like 3 4 years since I, you know, started college at that point, you know, that I felt like I was on to something that I, you know, was good at that I had, you know, sure, I yeah. could, I could offer sure. ideas to a group of people and actually, you know, have them accepted and, you know, be like, oh, that's a good idea. So from there, I decided to get back into school. So I went to Santa Monica Community College. Um, great school, really cool art department, you know, lots of like working artists, big name artists too, because they live in LA and they figure why not. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, really kind of lit a fire under me you know some of the teachers i had um i think his name was ron white fantastic painter 
Um, I mean, he was doing like hyper realist stuff at like 16 and then he just uh, like screw wow. this and got wow. into like <laughs> abstract art. Yeah. Um, but he was just like one of these guys, no matter what you were doing, he could be like, you should try this or you should look at this guy. Or you should do that. And I think that kind of helped me just kind of let loose of that side of my brain that needs control which was drawn to the more illustrative stuff, the more, you know, realistic stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. And really just kind of explore, you know, what's going on in my head, the paint itself. Um, so that was great. I was there for like two years and then my mom had some health issues. So I moved back here and ended up finishing at Kutztown, which was, again, another great school that, you know, has one of the best art education departments in the country. And because of that, attracts a very uh, diverse uh, staff of, you know, all disciplines and, and you know, backgrounds. Um, and that was another place where, you know, because I had sort of felt this guilt <laughs> about my first round <laughs> of college, I, I, I buried myself. Like when I was at Santa Monica, I was taking six studio art classes and I would sit in my living room in a circle with all my projects around me every night. And just like every 30 minutes I would turn and move to the <laughs> oh next one. And I did the same thing at Cutstown. I was taking like, I think 15 to 18 credits a semester. Sure. Uh, of mostly studio art classes. Um, a couple, you know, political science classes thrown in for something different. But so, you know, that immersing myself that deeply and I think also having had some time to live and experience some things kind of helped me give, shall we say, form to, you know, what it is I do now. Totally. When you were at Santa Monica or at Kutztown, what was your focus? Was it painting, illustration? When I got to Kutztown, I did focus more on painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, When I was at Santa Monica, it was still a lot of my gen ed classes. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, you know, coming from, you know, sort of learning to draw from comic books, like, yeah, a lot of illustrative stuff, drawing, you know, graphite, color pencil, stuff like that. Sure. Um, but there was just something about the freeness of paint, like just the the way it moves around on a surface. And oddly enough, like growing up around artists, the smell of paint mm. is like <laughs> it just it it seems like almost like part of my life. You know, it's Nostalgic. like it's always yeah, it's always there. Sure. And I just remember like opening like a tube of paint, just like taking, being taken back to like, you know, being like eight years old again, visiting a friend of my mom's or something like that. And <laughs> like their studio. Um, so yeah, it wasn't probably until like my last semester at Santa Monica when I really started getting into painting, uh, playing around with like mostly acrylic at the time. Uh, just because, you know, I was living in a tiny apartment and <laughs> couldn't really deal with the mess that is oil paint at the time. And yeah, I guess at some point in there, I decided to uh, just jump into oil. Um, 
Because there was actually like a gap of about, I want to say two years between coming back and then going to Kutztown. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was that was just a kind of this weird period of floating around trying different things because, you know, I, I'd got sort of this base of like the the all the sort of intro to things. So it's like, you know, trying different mediums, right. different styles. Um, and I think that's where Kutztown really helped. Again, I had another professor there, uh, Mark Mahosky, who, you know, he's not my favorite person in the world, but he knows what he's doing, <laughs> you know? Like, he was, again, one of those guys where if you're doing something, he'd be like, check out these four artists, and that's that's all he'd say. And you go look at them, but you would always come back and be like, all right, that's what I'm trying to do. Or, you know, that's a way to do the thing that I'm trying to do. Sure, sure. Um, art education is weird because, I mean, there's obviously, like rules like of value you all that stuff and and you know all all the nitty-gritty kind of like how to use things but i mean part of it too is like building this database of like visual language you know like mark making colors uh color contrasts and all these things you know just they they are unique to an artist as like a fingerprint, you know, um, and that's as much as it is learning how like use a colored pencil and do a nice like grayscaled, you know, 3D realistic <laughs> apple. You also have to like, you know, discover yourself, discover, you know, why, why do you make art? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What is the medium to do that? Um and yeah, I would say, you know, I was lucky enough to have some some guidance along the way to get me to a place that I've had a modicum of success and, and you know, I feel proud, I guess, of, of the things I make. That's awesome. What what leads you to expressing what you would like to through your art in those mediums? It's it's I I chuckle whenever I think about starting this sentence (laughs) because most people kind of laugh it off, but it's true in a weird way that one of my biggest influences in wanting to make art was the movie Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, That scene when they jump into those sidewalk chalk drawings. Yeah. Like being a little kid that like you felt like you were sucked into them. You know? <laughs> oh, for sure. You, you, you felt like you were there and it was this real world that you could participate in. And the idea of creating art that draws people in and really can, you know, make them forget where they are for, for even a second or two. Yeah. Um, is something that's always interested me. Um, and I would say, you know, Traditionally, that's painting. I mean, you go to a museum and you see, like, who's the guy who just, the alcoholic who drips paint everywhere? Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock. There you go. Like, great description. I don't know. Have you met artists? Um, I, I but, got the vibe with the, the hand motion. Yeah. But when you see one of his pieces, and it's not even like as, it doesn't draw you in, I think, in the way that I would go for but it's just like the scale of seeing a painting that big yeah where it fills your your frame of vision and you know you are lost in it for a minute like there weren't a lot of other artistic mediums 
that seem to fulfill that. Like sculpture, mm. sure, but that, you know, also is kind of, you know, takes a lot of money to have like a foundry to build sure. you know, some of sure. these like epic sculptures. Like, yeah. I can stretch a 20 foot canvas on the wall in my basement and go to town, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting (laughs) distinction thinking about painting versus sculpture. Like sculpture exists in your space versus like you can exist in the space of said painting. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's an illusion. That's, that's what's great about painting. You know, there, there are all these rules, uh, you know, the rules of perspective, the rules (laughs) of color and, you know, color perspective. Um, you know, you look at the the ancient, you know, Greek masters who like, you know, would do these like simple murals, but like just using like lines of perspective and, and you know, just like the, the color perspective created these amazing, you know, frescoes that like looked like they went back for like hundreds of feet. <laughs> sure. Um, and that, you know, that to me is cool. It's magic. It's it's magic. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um I love the dedication and the skill required to do realism. But for me, art has always just been about making something that isn't there. Mm. You know, it's like if I wanted to, you know, immortalize you two on my walls, I just pull out my camera and take a picture. Sure. <laughs> Call it a day, go about my day. But, you know, art lets you just create something that, you know, is just pure imagination. Yeah. Um, and that, that to me is has always been the appeal of, of art from, you know, the books and, and cartoons to the big paintings on the walls and galleries. It's, it's, it's been about creating this, you know, thing that's inside of your head and bringing it to the real world. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I do remember something my, my dad once told me that, uh, in order to break the rules, you have to know the rules. Sure. Um, so like I said, you know, there are very, simple rules to creating perspective in space, you know, whether it's one point, two point, three point. Yeah. But it's, what do you do after that? How do you make it yours? How do you break those? How do you use them to, you know, create harmony or create confusion? Um, and like I said, it's like, a, it's almost like, a, you know, like a, a witch's brew in a cauldron. You add a little totally. bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And, you know, all of a sudden you can create a space that, you know, can hopefully, you know, with practice, like invoke an emotional response or, you know, some sort of visceral response from someone. For sure. I'm uh, I'm curious. You, you said before that while seemingly insignificant, uh, your time in L.A. working as a set dresser. Yeah. Um which is a lot of manipulation of objects in 3D space yeah. set to visuals. Yeah. And I'm curious whether your inspiration to bring that into your paintings was before or after you were working as a set designer. I would definitely say after because there was a period of time when I was still kind of just like wildly just shotgun spread trying everything. <laughs> Been um, there before. I did a series of... I s- call it mixed media because there's a bit of paintings and like collage and whatnot of um, these sculptural things, just layers of plexiglass with um, held together uh, with like metal rods and spacers in between them. Um, And they were, you know, very sort of abstract, um, a lot of sort of humanoid figures or, you know, distorted forms that were, you know, roughly figurative, if you will. Um, But they looked a lot like, 
a set and a play, you know, where there's like that mm. little flat bush in the sure. front and then sure. everything behind it. And that's kind of where this idea of like layering and creating space yeah. um, started. Um, but, you know, at the time I didn't have the right tools and I broke so many pieces of plexiglass and, <laughs> you know, whatnot. And I cut my hands on glass too many times trying oh, to use glass. Man. So I put that aside, but I'm like, all right, well, how can I then play with that space and create these layered worlds, these scenes that like, you know, I think the biggest compliment I've ever gotten, uh, I forget what art show it was, but someone was like, I love that piece, but I want to know what's behind this thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's, that to me is a sign of success that, you know, I've created a space that they're so invested in that they, there's like, I, I need to know what's behind that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to, I want to see more. I want to go into that and experience it more. Totally. Yeah. They're like past the point of the setting you created. They're already thinking like yeah. in, into the beyond. <laughs> Yeah. No. And I mean, you know, with technology, what it is nowadays, you know, I think I'm a little too old and my brain is uh, at this point made of off-brand jello. So it's hard <laughs> to learn some of the new tech. But like the idea of like creating a space like one of my paintings in a virtual reality setting, you know, it just seems a logical step, you know. Totally. But, you know, I, I, I don't have the... I think the attention to learn Python or any other <laughs> programming language anymore. Those, I think those years are behind me. <laughs> so speaking of your, your paintings and this kind of like alternate world that you create, what would you describe this style as? Cause I have had this phrase that since the first time I've saw your paintings has like stuck in my head, but I'm curious what you categorize it as okay. or if it even fits in a category. That's a good question, um, you know, because I think it, it has been a difficulty for me, um, you know, because people tend to be drawn to people that are doing what they do because it's a great way to share ideas, share connections, you know, oh, well, you sold this painting to someone, I do stuff like you, maybe they'll want to buy my painting mm. type thing. And you know, that's networking. That's There's nothing wrong with it. Sure. But – I will say I've certainly been hard pressed to find a, shall we say, art movement or sort of Instagram hashtag that really <laughs> uh, encapsulates what I'm doing. I mean, I like I like the idea of like pop surrealism. Oh, I like that a lot. Because I definitely have, you know, drawn from the idea of like Dolly with creating these, again, using just the rules of perspective and, and things like that. I mean, it looks right to your eye because all the lines line up and everything works, but it's also these things that just can't or shouldn't exist. I mean, which is basically the definition of surrealism. But I also use, you know, very contemporary, poppy, bright colors. Um, but even then, like, that's pop surrealism is like a lot of what you see in like juxtapose mag or those like, right. you know, that kind of like street art inspired stuff. And sure. I love that stuff, but I don't know if I'd even say I fit into that. Like <laughs> I did have a friend uh, who used to call my stuff Farmer Tron because <laughs> there's like 
elements of landscape, yeah. but then like the lines and stuff, like he said, were like something out of like the Tron movie. And like, I, I can't say I disagree with him, but I don't know if, if that's going to catch on, but may, maybe it will. Hashtag Farmer Tron, guys. Come on. Let's get it going. <laughs> oh, I really like that one. Too. So what was, what was your <laughs> so description? I always or? like when I look at your work, I the phrase that always sticks in my head is like abstract futurism, like this kind of alternate reality. Um, but then you mentioned the title of the piece that you want to talk about today. And it kind of fit into that in terms of like a dystopia or like some sort of just like geometrically perfect landscape that I just, I don't know, like I can't quite, it's not abstract, but it's not quite right. Like, I don't know, something about it just fits you're not that far like off. futuristic. Cubist futurism? Cubist yeah. futurism. No, you're, you're not far off at all. Like I definitely, you know, I do use futurism as a tag in, in sure. store quite often. Um, and I 100%, you know, I, I've, if, if it's sci-fi, I've probably read it, you know. <laughs> I, I grew up loving the stuff. I still love the stuff. I watch it on the regular. Um, yeah, and I think with a lot of what I do and that series of that the, the post-human landscape, hmm. um, it was this idea of, you know, in, in the world after us, you know, whether it's the artificial intelligences or – the radiation mutated cockroaches that take over or something, <laughs> you know, what is the next like aesthetic, you know, of, of some like future, this sure. where there's sort of this remnant of nature, but it's also sort of viewed through the eyes of you again, whether it's, you know, sort of artificial intelligence or, or, you know, some sort of post human, you know, machine human hybrid. I definitely read a lot about, you know, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank here, but it's basically like <laughs> the, the next step in human, human evolution is sort of integrating computers into mm. the human brain. Transhumanism. Yeah. 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 And there, there's a, there's a term that they have for like the curve and the eventuality of, you know, it just makes sense. Totally. So like, I think I was doing a lot of reading about <laughs> that and, you know, like, but that just made me wonder, like, then what, what is it that makes us human? Uh, mm. What is it, you know, that – because there are many things that we do better than computers. Sure. Um, pattern recognition, um, you know, a lot of sort of the more creative skills. Um, but, you know, if we had the processing power of a computer, like, what would we create? What would totally. – how would we see things? What would be, you know – what would make us happy? <laughs> For yeah. sure. I've always struggled with like sci-fi in this kind of futuristic setting, um, movies like Tron, because sure. they just, I don't know, something about it is so unsettling to me and I don't really like it. But your pieces like fit that aesthetic almost, but they're so colorful, like this kind of naturalistic landscape combination with that, that I don't necessarily, I under, I see the sci-fi influence in it, but it doesn't. It doesn't, like, skeeve me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, in most of the sort of far future dystopian nightmares, it's other people yeah. that are that sure. are doing the awful thing. So mm -hmm. this is, again, this is, you know, maybe millions of years in the future when, you know, humans are, you know, 
we t- they whatever is left talks about us the way we talk about dinosaurs. Hmm. You know? Sure. Um, you know, because we do create beautiful things, but then we go and destroy them and ruin them and <laughs> and do all these terrible, <laughs> terrible things. Um, yeah, the your work reminds me a little bit of how how Jules Verne describes reaching the center of the earth and journey hmm. to the center of the earth. Hmm. Yeah, kind of this. I guess that's a, a sci-fi novel. It's, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I mean, I remember. I don't know if I saw that movie, but they did the Time Machine, not yeah. not the remake in like the nineties, yeah. but the original one. Yeah, and that one, like like the futuristic cities, like as sure. he's like passing through time, like For sure. Oh yeah, there's like I said, there's influences everywhere. Like I, yeah. I'm a firm believer. No matter what you do. Anything you make is just a self-portrait, you know, in terms it's, it's just this compilation of all these things you've absorbed in life uh, and sort of filter through what's important, you know, at this particular moment in your life. But it's, you know, it's, everything is a self-portrait. And I mean, you know, it's like, I think, you know, if if we want to get deeper, it's like, I've definitely have felt, you know, very lonely in my life. You know, I've, moved a lot growing up you know i've always kind of been you know going in one direction or another and you know i i make friends but then you know i move on or things you know so definitely a lot of my life has been lonely and a lot of these pieces you know i think can give off these like feelings of isolation um and and you know being in this space you know especially larger pieces, you know, feeling like you're in this, this world and there's nothing else around you. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, art also has been a way for me to connect with people, you know? Um, cause you know, like we said at the beginning, it's like, if I'm in a room full of people, I'm just going to find one person and go try to hide in a corner. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, totally get that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's a nice, uh, it is my, emotional support skill <laughs> my art it's like oh I can just deflect to art I don't have to talk about me or what's going on in my life like oh let's talk about art <laughs> this just came up at I think it's at work or something the other day where I was like it's too easy working in an industry doing something I like because I never run out of things to talk about and am easily mistaken as an extrovert because I'm happy to talk about art history or people's paintings or people's work and then they're like oh you don't talk like this all the time. I'm like, no, because we were talking about art and it was too easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I think it is definitely always easier to talk about something other than yourself, even if, you know, you are a very extroverted, confident person, you know. Sure. I mean, narcissists, that's a different story. They love talking about themselves. (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, I think... Just even as a tool of self-exploration, art, you know, for me, it's forced me to, you know, ask questions about, you know, what's important to me? Who am I? What do I want to say? What am I trying to do? You know, what sort of life do I want to lead? And how does this art get me there? Hmm. Um, You know, and I don't think there's always necessarily an answer, but it's more the questioning and sort of narrowing down that, you know, that sense of self of who you are, what you're trying to say, who you're trying to be, um, you know, and it's taken me almost 40 years to get there. But, you know, I, you know, I feel 
like who I am and whatever level of confidence or, you know, internal validation and, you know, I have, a lot of it has come from, you know, making art, you know, the experience that I've had in the art world with people, you know, conversations like these where, you know, or just at a, an opening or in a, a studio critique where, sure. you, you know, you really have to, you know, know who you are and what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, maybe other people get there in other ways, but that's kind of <laughs> how I figured it all out. For sure. For sure. Well, I'd love for us to delve a little bit more into the piece you'd like to talk about today. So I don't know if, you, if you'd if you like to describe it or if you want me to try to describe it. We can do a little bit of both. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll give it a shot. All right. Would you um, like to have it in front of yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> that, that would actually probably help because this is a bit of an older piece. Excuse my cracked phone screen. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, this is a piece I think I did in about 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, uh, it's originally entitled post-human landscape. And again, the idea was, you know, what will be here after we're gone, you know, Mm. you know, it's, it's sort of a, I don't know, rumination on my own mortality on, on sort of human mortality. Um, so that's kind of where the color palette came from. Cause before this one, my paintings, were just over the top, like poppy, very like candy colored. Um, And, you know, especially with like the background, the mountains themselves and, you know, pretty much everything except for the orange geometric pieces, which were added last because it was, in my estimation, a little too kind of subdued, um, were, you know, again, trying to create a more calm space Maybe that was me <laughs> becoming calmer as a human being and that <laughs> reflecting in the art. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I really like this color palette. Um, you know, the blues and greens I've used many times over in other paintings. Um, and I think one of my favorite parts is the, um, the clouds in the upper half um, because it was the first time that I really, like, played around with some thick texture. Sure. Um, mostly because painting in oil, working that thick, um, you're going to be sitting around waiting very long before you can do anything else with it. But um, th- that was actually, funnily enough, like it was scrapings from my palette. So it was dried chunks of paint yeah. that I just dipped in more paint and basically glued <laughs> back to the, to the canvas. This way I didn't have to wait as long. Though I will say, for anyone listening to this, um, I just found Michael Harding makes a titanium white number three that has a cobalt drying agent in it. Oh. So you can mix it in, the white in with whatever color you're making, and because it has that drying agent, it'll be dry within like 24 hours. Wow. So it definitely has helped me speed up a lot of of my process. Oh, I could imagine. Um, But... um, So, yeah, this one, I think the original sort of idea behind this, too, had to do with, like, climate change, Um, like the the white, bluish uh, structure sort of in the right there was, I think, uh, supposed to be like an iceberg. Hmm. Um, 
And this was supposed to be like sort of, again, with the sort of bluish muted colors, you know, that's supposed to represent the natural world. Uh, you sure. know, what's left of it, you know, how it's been shaped after whatever. And then those orange things, that's where, I mean, they're not abstract. They're very, you know, geometric, <laughs> very detailed, you know, very finely rendered things. But, you know, they they sort of represent abstract things, you know, from buildings to vehicles, you know. Um, I've always wanted to let the person looking at the work kind of make up their own story. You know, hmm. I give them a space, you know, set set the setting and they come up with a narrative. I love the mountains in this one. Um, I played around with, again, you know, sort of breaking down uh, things into geometric shapes. You know, again, being sort of like a sci-fi science nerd, if you like really look at everything from like your own hand to a flower, like, you know, they're beautiful, abstract, organic things. But when you get down on the cellular level, hmm. there is a very rigid sort of very times often geometric structure to sure. all these things, the structure sure. of a cell, the structure of, you know, a nucleus in a cell, all these things. Um, so I think that was partly an inspiration for sort of the breaking down of the natural world that happened in a lot of pieces around the time of this one in particular. Uh, like I said, you know, I wanted to like be sort of a conceptual artist when I was like uh, in like middle school, high school. You know, the idea of like totally. being the guy who creates like all the creatures you see and like you know all the all the cool movies that come out or you know the. Um, so that's again was heavily influenced by like all the sci-fi and the comic books uh, and and you know all that sort of stuff. You know, like I loved you know I remember like. Voltron and and uh, He Man and Thundercats and oh, all those things, sure. you know, the, the, just that style and that intensity. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if nothing else, like again, sort of that poppy cartoon style style inspired a lot of my color. You know, um, just noticing in a lot of your work that kind of fits this theme of the post-human landscape mm -hmm. one um, that there's not a lot of there's not like a figure element to it. There's not. A, a specific subject and I know you mentioned in the landscape piece that you like to kind of leave a lot up to the viewer and their imagination but what's the inspiration behind or the motive behind just creating the setting and then not necessarily creating a subject figure to the piece a lot of my experience in life has been solo you know mm -hmm. like uh couple years ago, right before the, the pandemic hit, you know, I did like a week of solo hiking out in Utah. So there, I mean, there's always just been that element of me in this space yeah. as the viewer, as the, you know, the one taking it in. And there's not been other people there, you know, even to reference it. Um, sure. But I think deeper than that, you know, going back to this idea of creating your own narrative, you know, and I guess, it, you know, obviously it varies from culture to culture, but like images, whether it's like a, something as simple as like a guitar can mean so many things to so many people. You know, right. maybe your grandpappy used to play the guitar all the time, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid and it's a happy memory or like maybe you're <laughs> – God, that was terrible. Like you saw someone get <laughs> beat up on the street with a guitar, you know? So, you know, th these images, these 
representational images have some story attached to them. Sure. Sure. And it's hard to tell how people are going to react, um, you know, because you don't know their personal narrative. So that's why, you know, I've tried to create spaces where I use color and line and more of sort of the compositional tools, you know, if I want to create a very anxious space, there are ways to do that with, you know, line and color choice. If you want to create something calm, same thing. Um, so create those spaces and see what comes out of people. Sure. Um, you know, this way you guys have to do the heavy lifting. I, you know, <laughs> I do the fun part and then you got to make up all the, the narrative to it. And yeah. again, you can admire the, the craftsmanship, the patience, sure. the skill. Sure. Um, and I think that is why a lot of people are drawn to that sort of stuff. But for me, you know, when I go to a museum, like if I'm looking at some of, uh, was it Monet with the water lilies? Yeah. You know, I don't care that they're water lilies. I'm looking at how he put the painting down and how he creates just like with a little dapple of color here and a dapple of color there. Yeah. Um, you know, or even like looking at like a Van Gogh up close. It's like, I'm more interested in like his brush stroke and the colors he decided to put next to each other versus totally. like, oh, this is, you know, a field in, in you know, southern France or something like sure. that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess, like I said, it's it's all self-portrait. I was always drawn to those things, like not necessarily the subject matter, but, you know, color choices or like, you know, there'll literally be paintings that I do where like, it's this big painting, but it's just like one little thing where there's like a little interaction of like color or something. And I can just like stare at that for like 20 minutes and just like, <laughs> and I'm the person who made it. I'm like, how the hell did I do that? You know? <laughs> You're in like another headspace. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's also, I mean, we touched on this briefly before we started, but you know, a lot of people have a very sort of streamlined process to their art mm -hmm. making. Yeah. Um, you where it's like, you know, they start with a sketch, they work it up bigger, then they do this, and it's like they, they have a vision from the moment they touch their supplies. Uh, I am quite the opposite, where I never really have anything planned out. Um, most times I start a painting with just a palette knife and just like white paint across it and like try and at least, I don't know, create what looks like maybe, you know, this is a dimensional plane of some kind. Um, but from there, you know, with just by applying with the knife and scraping, shapes start to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, like a general idea of, I don't know, maybe a landscape or a scene or something. So from there, you know, I kind of just like build it out, figure out like a perspective point or two or three or whatever it may be. Um, and then I put something in and then, you know, see how that works. And then, you know, have to go back and maybe balance it on this side, you know, with a different color or another shape. Even like, you know, I talked about like trying to create this emotional space. I don't go in necessarily trying to make an anxious painting, but maybe I'm anxious that day and it comes out and I'll push that. Yeah. But it's like, you know, okay, well, given what's here, what do I need to add to get there and then so every time you add something it changes and then you kind of have to find that balance and you know it's easy to do too much but you never know like did i do enough i mean i've had paintings that i've let sit for like two or three years before i go back and finish them because i just sure. like i i couldn't solve that problem at the time you know i couldn't figure yeah. out the equation 
Totally. Um, when you reach that point of balance, is that when you know it's done? Or done for now? <laughs> <laughs> done for now. Um, and I mean, I've said this to, to many people, but literally a painting isn't finished until it's sold. Mm. Um, I don't sign them until I sell them because, I mean, I this past last week, I pulled out a painting, a canvas that I started in Kutztown. And I was just like, hey, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> And I like where it's going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that painting was not done, <laughs> you know. Sure. I thought it was done at the time, maybe, or I just moved on to something else. I think that's, for me, like, I, because I work in oil, I usually have, like, seven things going on at the same time because it takes so long to dry. So I'm just bouncing around. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do on this one or this is good enough. Or, you know, I do find the one that really... I'm vibing with, and I just focus on that one, and the others kind of get forgotten about. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, it's my process is like ADHD personified, basically. <laughs> it's you know, there's not not a lot of rhyme or reason. It's just kind of like, ooh, that's shiny. Let me go with that, or like, ooh, I like that. Let's do that. I'm like, oh wait, what was I doing? No, go back to this. Um, but you know, like I said, it just it it's worked so far. Knock on wood, hopefully. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Do you still fit into that kind of mentality? Like you mentioned before when you were in school taking studio art classes of like having all of your artwork set up around you. Are you like actively working on multiple well, pieces yeah, at a time? Yeah, <laughs> I currently have, I mean, they're smaller pieces because I'm working with a new color palette and I'm trying to do a little more academic stuff like basically – I don't know. I've been trying to 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 get better at color theory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, keeping you know the values and the hues and all that stuff, and to create you know more sort of unified palette and and you know sure. have a little more control over the paint. Uh, but yeah, I still have nine pieces I'm working on right now. Wow. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know. I started because, you know, with, with what I do with the background, just like taking with the palette knife, it takes me like five to 20 minutes to do that. Yeah. You know, so I have all this paint on my palette. I'll, I'll do seven or eight canvases or pieces of wood or whatever I'm working on at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the first one is dry in a couple of days. And then, so I'll start and kind of like work my way through and, you know, maybe, some inspiration will come and I'll go back to a different one. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thankfully I have more space than my old, uh, <laughs> college apartment, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I definitely still always like to keep a lot of things going at once. That's awesome. The new color palette that you're working with and kind of building off of like a single color, how does that differ from the color palettes that you usually use in your pieces? I know you mentioned before that you had some pieces that were very pop colorful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but how does how does what you're working on now differ from that? I wouldn't say it differs greatly. Um, I mean, I think what I'm trying to do, because this palette is from a, a contemporary landscape painter. Um, it's one that he uses a lot. Uh, and his name escapes me right now, but that's not important. <laughs> um, so, like, the way he uses it, you know, he gets very realistic landscape 
they're beautiful. They're, they're fantastic. And what really drew me to him was his ability to create light. Mm -hmm. And again, that is this other illusion, this magic of art using color to create light. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of that goes back to, again, color theory. You know, light comes from the contrast of light and dark. And the problem with yeah. having super poppy colors is, you know, it becomes very hard to create light when everything is bright and shiny. Right. Mm. Um, so what I'm trying to do, and it's still a work in progress, is tone down the colors, you know, shift down the value and things like that. So that those elements of the pop color become the light and really kind of jump out at you. Um, and, you know, it's been <laughs> – there's been uh, some success and some failure, but, you know, it's, it's – again, it's enjoying the process, you know. That's, it wasn't that mindfulness. It's, you know, it's not about the outcome. It's about the process. As an artist, you should always be growing, you know, I think – too often, you know, because this is a, for a lot of people, it's, you know, their, their, their income, you know, you have to please people, get them to buy your work. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but a lot of times you don't take risks. You don't try new things because mm -hmm. you have to make X number of widgets by this date for your fair festival art show. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. You know, so it, it's tough to find that time and that space to really get outside of your comfort zone and mm -hmm. grow and push the process, um, which I think is why I've gone back to, to working on smaller things because it's, you know, a little less investment of resources and time. Sure. And you can, you know, test out an idea. And if it works, great. You know, you got something you can show but you know if it doesn't then it's not that big of a loss and you move on to something else well, one thing that talking about like different size canvases makes me think of is the conversation with andy grumberg last week she was talking about how she prefers working with that smaller size because she can focus more on the details and while you can do a bigger piece people will appreciate it as a bigger piece but Part of it is the spectacle of it simply being a bigger piece. Oh, right? 100%. They're, they're like, wow, this is so big. It must have taken so long. But you don't get to focus as much in a, in a timely manner on the details as you would have working on a piece that is in a much smaller scale. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I agree. I think, honestly, it's, it's, it's a challenge to create something engaging and captivating on such an intimate scale. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that is, you know, like I said, you know, being an artist and trying to push yourself in, in new directions. Like, again, it is easy to just be like, wow, that's 20 feet tall, <laughs> you know, and that's fantastic. And that takes, again, a certain skill set and, and totally. you know, time and dedication. But creating a four foot by four foot little piece that, you know, someone's going to, you know, stare at for more than five ten seconds like really like be drawn into it yeah you know because yeah you don't have a ton of space to to wow them totally you know, every every little mark has to you know has to has to be useful and important yeah yeah so i have a, I have a question i'll pose to the two of you and this is kind of unrelated in terms of 
medium or subject matter, but fits that idea of like going big scale to small scale. So last week I spent like three hours at the Kemmerer Museum, which is the decorative arts museum Mm -hmm. um, kind of down by the library in historic Bethlehem. And they have a great display upstairs of dollhouses and decorative. <laughs> Sorry, de- those things just creep me out. But. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll err on the probably, side of I've probably seen one too many horror movies. But. <laughs> it's okay. I feel you. Um, but in keeping with that concept of like creating a world and creating something that leaves room for imagination and interpretation, it's mm. a similar concept, right? But that is definitely on like – the smaller scale end of artwork because it's very minuscule and very meticulously made. So where do, where do the similarities and differences lie when we're talking about a huge eight by 10 painting to Mm. a tiny dollhouse? Like I think I personally can sit and be captivated for an equal amount of time with Mm. either of those things. Totally. Sure. Where does, where do the similarities and differences lie in that? Do you think? Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. I think to a certain extent, you know, craftsmanship for both of them. Sure. Totally. Again, whether it's, you know, the meticulous details of a dollhouse or a small painting or, you know, the skill to create something on a large scale that, you know, isn't all warped and twisted and, you know, (laughs) looks actually good from a distance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, it 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 is a craft there there are rules and there there are you know techniques that need to be learned and when someone i think masters those that's really regardless of size or medium what people are are in awe of usually hmm. absolutely yeah i think the biggest difference in my mind comes from the potentially uninitiated in art audience mm-hmm. someone who is going to an art gallery because it's something they want to do to impress a date. <laughs> They're like, oh, yes, I'm so cultured. Let's go to this come art gallery. Come look at my dollhouse. <laughs> come, uh, come look at this massive painting. Like, this is art, right? But then they will just bypass the, the beautiful masterpiece that may be three inches by three inches standing mm-hmm. right inside the door to, to go to the piece that's feet tall by feet wide (laughs) yeah (laughs) now that's not everybody (laughs) but but i think that there's something about the audience that needs to be taken into account when it comes to working on something yeah i mean i think there's a certain level of shall we say spectacle sure that that yeah the the uninitiated if if you will you know are are most drawn to like i mean not not to knock anyone's fun, but like there's this guy, I think his name's Caleb something. He's like the guy who puts paint in a bucket and spins it over canvases. It's yeah. like, I mean, the stuff he makes end up looking like what you buy at Walmart or Target in the art section. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I don't disagree. I mean, <laughs> but again, it's the spectacle of him like slow mo videoing, you know, this paint bucket spinning. Totally. That is really why he gets, you know, the thousands upon thousands of clicks on, on all the social media and stuff. Like, sure. Um, you know, the end product itself isn't all that fantastic. I mean, anyone could have released that bucket of paint and created something totally. like it. Um, but again, it, it's it's the performative nature of it. Totally. Um, but again, you know, in, 
terms of craft, like, you know, being able to film and edit that in a way that is, you know, captivating and engrossing. Sure. You know, that's just another sort of craftsman, even if, you know, again, shall we say the painting side, if you will, is sort of, you know, amateurish, um, you know. There, there is, there is always a level to, to, to the craftsmanship and, 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 and the, the art and, and, you know, I, I even think of something like, you know, magic or something like that, you know, it's like, you know, it kind of gets waylaid as like a kid's birthday party thing, <laughs> but I mean, there's some fantastic, you know, like mentalists and performative magicians that do like, you know, stuff that you sit in the audience, you're like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I think, you know, more than size or scale, I guess what I was trying to say is like, there, there is a certain level of the, the craftsmanship and sort of the, the performative nature of it in lieu of craftsmanship, Totally, you know, that whether it's big or small, that's really what kind of just like sucks you into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that transcends generational influence as well. I mean, you go back to the, the early 1900s and you see that in art back then. And then you come to now and you can see TikToks where people are, <laughs> you know, showing how they made a piece or how they got a photograph and they don't even have the end result in it. Hmm. <laughs> it's not about the piece. It's about the process. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's its one, I guess, reason I don't like social media. I don't do more with it. Like people, sure. you know, we grew up in a nation that is, shall we say, rewarded the Kardashians. And, and that whole <laughs> just putting every ugly little detail for the nosy, gossipy masses uh, and profiting from it. And I think a lot of like TikTok and stuff like that is that. And that's why, you know, maybe I'll do like a time lapse one of these days of me painting. But I have no, I'm not the, the subject, you know. You don't need to totally. know much more about me than <laughs> you're going to get in this discussion to, to enjoy my art. Like I don't sure. think, you know, you, I mean, I don't think you need to know anything about the artist to enjoy the art. If you enjoy the art and want to learn more, by all means. But, you know, I just think... A lot, too much is like it's just I don't know maybe it's an ego thing or something it's like I just don't want to put myself out there I'm not going to pose like shirtless in front of one of my paintings <laughs> or like you know whatever whatever people do to get those those likes and retweets yeah. or, and I, I don't know I mean, I'm not going to... I'm sounding like an old man here because I just <laughs> no. don't get it. Where are kids? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and defend the Kardashians because I literally hate nothing more than <laughs> reality television. But I work in a gallery setting and I get a lot of feedback about this one piece that we have that's like a sketchbook from a well-known artist. And we had like a teacher group come through and they were talking about how this was kind of a cool insight because out this is like... 18 late 1800s like version of his social media sure, because you're getting sure. every ugly detail you're getting sketches from the park you're getting sketches from the cafe yeah. and then you're getting wow. laundry lists and grocery lists and there's like notes from a doctor's appointment and stuff and it's kind of like these were like uh elementary school yeah. art educators and they were talking okay. about how this gives such a humanist perspective to his art yeah in a setting where this is a man who died years and years ago will never hear from him in person there aren't video recordings of there's no podcasts of him talking <laughs> about his art but they're getting this kind of 
insider view into what his everyday life was and it helps them connect to the artwork more. And I'm not saying that social media has the same effect in that we were just talking like when you got here about like I was fearing about my future kids like yeah <laughs> looking through all of my Instagram posts or whatever but what do you, do you think that that has value like letting people into your world and <laughs> I mean if if when I die people want to go through my notebooks and stuff by all means I'm dead I don't care but I will say my problem with social media is it's an edited sort of redacted highlight reel sure. of your life. Mm. You know, uh, there's a comedian, Tom Poppy does this bit about, you know, that post, that person posting the picture in front of the Eiffel Tower didn't post, you know, when they were in the hotel room sick with food poisoning for three days, you know? <laughs> like, you just put totally. the good stuff out there. Totally. Um, and it's why, like, you know, and I don't think for the most part, people really want to hear your bad stuff anyway, you know, it's, <laughs> but I do think, you know, I like the idea of like, you know, like Vincent Van Gogh's life was fascinating, you know, and, and, you know, thankfully, like all the letters him and his brother sent each other are why we know what we know about him. Um, you know, I just, I, I guess I've, I know a lot of people sort of are I don't want to say fanatical, but it's the root word of fans of mm. artists. Like, I don't care really about any artist. Like, they've done cool stuff, but, like, I'm not going to sure. go, like, necessarily read their biography to learn about their three divorces and their opium addiction and, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I just – I've never been like that with anything. Like, you know, I appreciate a song. You know, I can – might be the only movie it says I like, but I really love Midnight in Paris. But, you know, Woody Allen's a piece of trash, you know? <laughs> the, the ultimate <laughs> separation of the art from the artist. Yeah, you know, totally. And like I said, I've, I've, guess I've always tried to do that. Um, and maybe that's more an anxiety thing where, like, I assume people won't <laughs> like me. So I at least hope they like my art. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I think I've certainly have gotten calmer and more centered and, and grounded in life. And I think, frankly, looking at art that I made 15, 10 years ago, that stuff was, I mean, I literally had teachers tell me, like, I can't look at your work for too long because it just makes me very anxious. Hmm. You know, <laughs> um, the art itself in a lot of ways is that, that, that narrative of a person, you know, if you, I don't know. Maybe if you if you know what to look for, or if you have some some points of reference, you can kind of start. You know, I mean, there's in art therapy, there's that you know whole sort of reading sort of people from like you know things that they they may do. You know, like you have a, a kid come in and sketch, and you like, oh well, he has problems at home type stuff. Um, you know, so I, I I'm sure there, there's a science to it. You know, if someone really wanted to psychoanalyze. <laughs> my art and tell me who I am. That's I'd, our I'd, next I'd be more than happy. <laughs> that, you should find a shrink who comes in here and like at the end of every episode be like, this person uh, just needs a hug or something, you know? <laughs> this person's really good at Irish goodbyes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you won't even see me leave today. I'm telling you right now. There's like three of us in here. And you're like, where did Marlo go? I don't know. It's like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> bring comic books into it again <laughs> yeah well you know it's like i mean speaking of batman just like the <laughs> the 
the visual style of that. It's it's like you know what it is. Like mm, totally, you see the color scheme, you see whatever it is, you know that that's Batman or that's you know a particular artist who you know this run of Batman. Totally, I think that's kind of you know what every artist strives for is to like create their own visual style where you look at that and you're like, oh, that's you know Marlo Rodale or you know that's X Y Z. Yeah. And, you know, while, you know, like I said earlier, it's kind of hard to find a niche or, you know, a, maybe a movement, if you will, that I could put my art in. I will say it's, it's, you're hard pressed not to know when you're looking at one of my paintings, you know. I would agree. Totally. <laughs> so I will, you know, even if I don't fit into a nice little category, I'll take that. <laughs> sure. One of the reasons that I love talking to you about things that aren't necessarily just your art is that by the time our conversation ends, I can see the passion that you have for that subject, and I can almost always relate it or see it in your work. Like, hmm. when we had finished talking about Dune, yeah, I was looking at your Instagram the next day, and I'm like, I, I totally see how the influence of the world building in Dune yeah. um, is, is in your work, and how... You know, even in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. They they have all these things that are going on that if you really dig into it and look at it, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. But not unless you spend that time to live in that world and think about what's going on. No, and I, you know, I said it was silly, and I've certainly had people chuckle. But like <laughs> that Mary Poppins oh, idea totally. of creating something that is, you know, can capture your imagination for, for sure. even, you know. What is it like the average gallery goer in a museum spends three seconds looking at a piece of art? Yeah. You know, if I can capture someone's even for 10 seconds, you know, let alone, you know, someone liking something enough to buy it, take it home and put it in a space where they're going to sit and look at it regularly. Like, exactly. I've spent a lot of time in my life trying to find a purpose. Um, and then I think some time avoiding my purpose because it didn't, I don't know. It, 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 sometimes I feel like I'm so damn lucky. Like, should I really just be painting? Like, why do I get to do this? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, it, it's guilt or something, but it's like, you know, I love painting. It's, you know, sure. been a way for me to connect with the world and, you know, sort of absorb my other passions and, you know, use them to create something all my own and something that, you know, I love to share with people and, and you know, totally. talk about with people, not just my art, but art in general, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so weird to me that this kid who used to sit under tables while, you know, out to dinner with my mom and her friends doodling just to pass the time, you know, gets to do this now and people like looking at it and people, if they've made it this far, want to listen to me ramble for however long this is about what it is and why I love to do it. You know, it's, sure. it's like, I think that's something that, you know, I am grateful for, you know, um, you know, the, the, like I said, the community that art has, you know, introduced me to and, and the people and, and the experiences, um, you know, like I said, sometimes I just wake up, I'm like, how the hell did I get this lucky? You know? <laughs> well, Marlo, if people want to find you, where can they see your work? 
Um, well, I am on Instagram. Uh, it's just my first name backwards, which is uh, <laughs> Marlo. So that's W-O-L-R-A-M. Uh, my website, which will be updated <laughs> sometime soon, uh, is www.marlorodale.com. Um, I don't really use much other social media or anything like that. But, yeah, that's, you know, if you want to see what I'm working on or what I've worked on in the past, that's where you can find it. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Marlo, thank you so much for coming in today. Well, thank you for having me and letting me uh, talk. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Thanks, Marlo, for coming in. The opportunity of the week is Riot of Life, works by Terry Stout and Tom Maxfield. It is an opening reception on Friday, December 3rd from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The exhibit will run from December 3rd to February 28th at Nurture Nature Center at 518 Northampton Street in Easton, PI. For more information, you can go to www.nurturenaturecenter.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, a Steel Pixel original series. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. <laughs>